Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Um, it, it has been um, a great honour to be with you. Uh, I flew in Wednesday, Wednesday night, and, um, and you know, have been with you for a couple of days. And I mean, you know, in a, in a great time of, of great challenge as well. Um, but, you know, I'll definitely never forget, <laughs> never forget this trip, you know, <laughs> it's something. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I was thinking as Gideon was introducing me, I'm thinking, oh man, like, I almost sound schizophrenic, you know, like, how many personalities this guy got, you know. And, you know, tonight I, I, I was thinking, you know, when I prepare, when I go somewhere and I prepare, I, you know, I'm, I'm very careful. I, I get a lot of invitations and I say no to a lot of them. Not because they're bad, but um, I really felt like the Lord speak, spoke to me. And, and opportunities, you know, let me just say this, opportunities are like buses. There's always another one around the corner. You know, like, so when I was a young guy, I said yes to everything because I just thought if I, you know, if I don't say yes to everything, I'm going to possibly miss God, you know. And and then you get a bit older. I'm 46 now and um, I don't have the energy for it. But not only that, I, I just realized that you can you can spend your life chasing rabbits, you know, chasing every opportunity and miss your assignment. You know, Jesus talked about a whole bunch of people that thought they were doing good things for him and casting out devils in his name and da-da-da-da-da. And he said to them, I, I never knew you. I, I didn't tell you to do that. And so it's, you know, if he's not commissioning it, then he never knew you. And tonight, like one of the things I, I you know, especially when I come somewhere, it's not like, you know, I sat for the last four weeks going, okay, I've got to preach six times, so here's my six best sermons, let's polish them up and send them through. I don't actually do that. That's not how I prepare. Uh, I live prepared, of course, but, but more than that, I, I really pray into these assignments until I get a burden, you know, until something kind of drops in my, my heart deep and it becomes a groan. And then, and then I just trust that when I arrive that actually the right thing is going to drop in my spirit for each of the meetings. And, and hopefully that's been, if you've, if you've been in some of the different, you know, scenarios with me over the last couple of days, that you felt that, that, you know, it's just like kind of what came out. And so I had this, I feel like I had this particular thought drop in my spirit. And it's not the easiest kind of message to preach because it's kind of not one of those fun ones about, you know, let's bounce off the walls and all of that stuff. But let me just tell you something about my, a little bit of my heritage. Uh, yes, I do. You know, I'm part of a very large church and all that stuff, all that responsibility. But when I was in my 20s, I actually was part, I, I, I became, uh, got really grafted into a revival church in, in Australia, a church that was, it was the mid-90s, and they really tipped into uh, renewal, you know, the Toronto Blessing and, you know, Brownsville was going on, and there was a real move of the Spirit happening, so much so that they they did what a lot of people do when those, those sort of stuff starts to happen, is they began to have, like, protracted meetings, you know, which means back-to-back -back meetings. And so we used to have meetings, uh, you know, I don't know why we always do that, but we used to have meetings uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday off, and then Sunday morning, Sunday night. 
And we did that not for like a week or a month to try and capture what the Spirit was doing. We did it for three years, back to back. And like a midweek meeting, let me just give you this scenario. A midweek meeting would start at seven o'clock and I'd be lucky to get out at midnight. I'd be, I'll tell you why I'd be lucky to get out at midnight because it, like you'd, you'd, you'd worship for about an hour and a half, right? An hour and a half. I, yeah, that's what I said. An hour and a half, still only four songs. You just sing the life out of them. Then, then the preacher would go for an hour, right? And, and then he wants to prophesy or whatever it is. And then like around 10.30, quarter to 11, the prayer lines happen. And, and I'm telling you, like on a Wednesday night, it'd be nothing to have 150 people on a prayer line. And everybody wants a word. Everybody wants, to, everybody wants to shake, rattle and roll. Everybody wants to hit the deck. You know, like it's just like on. And, and like it was, it was crazy, but it was, you know, like crazy wonderful and terrible, like all of that stuff, right? And I mean, I was saying to Gideon, you know, I saw some of the most outstanding miracles that, I mean, ridiculous, you know. Um, a guy came in uh, to one of our conferences in the middle of worship. He, um, he, he was due to have a heart operation because uh, he was very sick. He wasn't given much to live. And he, in the middle of the worship, he heard a crack in his chest and he thought that his heart had just broken and he was about to die but instead of feeling worse he started to feel better and so when he went to the doctor but he, he 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 sort of testified in the conference I think God has done something to me so when he went home they sent through he sent through the pictures of the heart he's like the x-ray of his heart that had all scar tissue and everything else and they were going to have to try and operate on his heart and then they sent when he went home they, they sent they got another x-ray and he had an entirely new heart the doctor said, this isn't like your heart's better. Like there's no, we're all the scars, they're all gone. This guy, like he had a new heart. And I remember this lady, this older lady came in and she's worshipping and she had like rheumatoid arthritis. So her fingers, you know, were, you know how that is. Like it's just so debilitating. And her fingers were like this. And uh, no one prayed for her, no one. And just in the midst of the worship, as she just, you know, with these mangled kind of hands went to worship the Lord, they just straightened out and she got totally healed. I, like these things were like, I'm saying to you a couple of things, but these things were like all the time, going on all the time, right? And I mean, any, any man and his dog could prophesy in that environment. And, you know, there was just all this stuff going on. I mean, it got pretty crazy, you know, like um, people were, clucking like chickens under the spirit and bouncing like kangaroos. I mean, I, don't, I didn't like that. But, you know, after a little while, because it used to upset me, I was like, dude, really? You know, I mean, how many times, you know? And, and you know, then there was a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, the creatives, they do what the creatives do. And I'm all good, you know, like, I don't mind. You want to blow a shofar, you want to, you know, wave a flag, you want to dance, you want to twirl. I, I don't really care. I mean, it did used to bother me, I think, a little bit. And then... I remember, 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 like, I'm just kind of driving myself nuts because I'm trying to discern. I'm going, is that you, God, or is that just this person being really weird? You know, like, serious, right? Can I just be like, so it's like, is this you, guys? Is this, like, being really weird? And I just felt like Holy Spirit really helped me one night. And he said, David, nowhere in my word does it say <clears throat> that you are to test the manifestations of my spirit in the sense of test the signs of it. He said, he said, my word tells you that you're to test the fruit. You're to test the fruit. You're to test the fruit. Because if you, if you try and test all the, well, is that person rolling under the Spirit or are they just, you know, 
having, having their way. If you do that, you'll, you'll become the Holy Spirit police and He doesn't need that. The Holy Spirit doesn't need a police force. He's good. He'll take care of it. But, but good leadership tests the fruit. And I was in Revival Church for eight years. We had protracted meetings for three. And I, I got to say to you that at the end of that season, I was a leader and I was, you know, very, very functional in that house. At the end of that time, I, I got to say to you, I was very disappointed very disappointed with, re, with revival or renewal. And here's why I was disappointed, because I was like, I used to see people for eight years come night after night after night after night after night after night and get prayer. I mean, just everyone had 50 prophecies, you know, like they just had it all. And yet many of them were just as immature, right? Now listen to this. Uh, and, and this is going to sound critical, but it's not, they were just as immature now as they were five, six years ago, seven years ago. And, and that really bothered me. Like, it just bothered me. I'm like, how much more? Like, how much more Holy Ghost? How much more? But here's the thing. Maturity in the Spirit is warfare. Maturity in the Spirit is warfare. After, after the miracle of your salvation, the next greatest miracle that you will ever experience or ever have to enter into is called maturity. You've you got to grow up in Christ. Like it's so important. I'm telling you, this is, this is, this is one of the plagues of just, I'm not, this, this isn't just revival church, by the way. This is all churches. The challenge, and it's the, it's the thing that causes pastors to lose their hair <laughs> or go grey, you know, is the fact that we love, we love the saints so much and yet we go, we, we, we want you to grow up. Now, 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 why do we want you to grow up? It's not for our ego. We want you to grow up so that you can enter into the fullness of your calling because babies don't get to enter into the fullness of their calling. There's this verse in Luke chapter 3, verse 38, and it talks about, it, it says this, it's the genealogy, you know, and it says in Luke three thirty-eight, it says, you know, it's going through the genealogy and it says, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, who was the son of God. You see, humanity's call isn't to be servants, isn't to be slaves of God, isn't to be some pawns on a chessboard. The ultimate call of humanity is that they would find the fullness of their lives in sonship before the Father. Adam wasn't just created to be a slave, to, to tend a garden. He was called to be a son. Now, listen, son, son means child of God. So you can be a son whether you're a man or a woman, right? I mean, I just think girls, like ladies, you just have to cop the fact that you're sons of God. If I've got to cop the fact that I'm part of the bride of Christ, right, <laughs> then you can cop the fact that you're just sons of God. Sonship is a dimension. In John, let me just give you a couple of scriptures around this sonship thing, right? So in John 4, verse 15, 14, verse 15 to 18, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may abide with you forever. For the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because I neither, it neither sees Him or knows Him, but you know Him, and He dwells in you and be, will, and be with you. And He says, this is in John 14, verse 15 to 18, it says, I will not leave you as orphans but I will come to you. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit 
is to bring you into the fullness of your sonship. Now listen to this one, Romans 8 verse 15. It's very, very familiar, but let me just say it maybe a different way. It says, for you, it, Paul speaking, he says, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And then he says this, he says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. Now listen, so it says that one of the work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to us. This is what it says. It says He bears witness to us in our spirit that we are children of God. Now think about this picture. Think about the picture of a, a father and a daughter walking down the street holding hands and they get to a set of lights and they're waiting and just think of the father looking at the daughter and the daughter looking at the father and he picks her up and he gives her a cuddle, right? And he puts her down. Do you know what he just did? He bore witness to her. The, the work of the Holy Spirit is, is, is to bear witness to you that God loves you like that, that, that that's how you are a child of God. There's this beautiful picture in Jewish tradition about sonship. And, you know, in the Bible, when we read the word son in the New Testament, we just think our oh, son, you know, like it's like English word son. But, but in, the, in the New Testament, there are five words. When you read son, there are actually five words not just one word, five words. Um, let, me, let me give them to you. And, and the five words are really, so let me give them to you. So the first word is nepios, N-E-P-I-O-S. Nepios means baby. When you come to Christ and you get born again, you be, you're born as a son of God. It's called a nepios, which means you're a baby. The second word is called paidon, P-A-I-D-O-N. Paidon is an infant. Paidon is not a baby, but it's an infant. It's like a toddler. Right, it's like a toddler. The, the third word is called technon, T-E-K-N-O-N. Technon means teenager. That's when you're a teenager in the spirit. Fourth word is, it's a bit longer, it's called neoniskos, N-E-A-N-I-S-K-O-S, young man. That's, a, that's a, like a young man. It's to be like an 18 to 30 year old. That's, that's that level. And the final word is called huios, H-U-I-O-S, H-U-I-O-S. Now let me just set the stage for something. So Jesus has been, um, uh, you know, we don't hear much of his life before his, his 30th birthday, but what we find is at 30 years of age, he comes to the, the Jordan River and he comes to the day of his baptism. And here's what happens, it says, uh, it says that as Jesus goes down in the waters of baptisms, it says when he'd been baptized and Jesus came up immediately out from the water, it says, behold, the heavens were open over him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven, which is the voice of the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's a beautiful picture of the Father announcing the sonship of Jesus. Now, now listen, when, he caught, when, when the Father is saying son, the word he used was huios. This is, this is my full-born, my, my, like the full-born mature son. And it said, whom I'm well pleased, right? In the Mount of Transfiguration, you'll, you'll see the same announcement, the same huios, and it'll say, listen to him. 
Now, what happens in Jewish tradition is that a boy, uh, boys will go to the synagogue and they'll, uh, you know, go to their, their rabbi's school. And then at the age of 13, if they're not going to be a rabbi or a priest, what they will become is an apprentice in their father's business. And what happens is at 13, they go and, they, and whatever, whatever dad's business is, let's say dad's a, a carpenter, well, then they will go and become an apprentice carpenter to their father and they will learn the trade from 13 years of age until their 30th birthday. On their 30th birthday, their father will take them, take the son, and will begin to go and introduce their son to like the, the people that the father would do business with, the, the, uh, the, 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 the suppliers of, of, of the timber and, you know, the, all the people that he would do business with. And this is what he will say. He will say, I want to introduce to you my son. From now on, from now on, you will never see my face again. I'm retiring. My son now will run the family business. His word is my word. His credit is my credit. Do you understand that what, what God the Father is doing at the baptism of Jesus is handing Jesus the family business, the family business of the kingdom in the earth. That's what's happening at that point. Now, the Bible says that Jesus was the first of many brothers. Do you understand that the ultimate goal of God for you is not just salvation in the sense of coming to Him, that's amazing, but it's that you would mature through this, these stages of sonship so that, he can, so that He can apprentice you with regards to the kingdom and then finally commission you into the fullness of your assignments. See, so here's the thing. In, in Revival Church, we thought, we thought that you get commissioned when you get enough prophecies. <laughs> we th seriously, we thought you get commissioned when you get enough zaps at the altar. I, I, listen, I love prophecy. I, I love impartation. I, I don't love fire tunnels, but that's okay. You know, like they're okay. You know, you, if you like them, I like them, you know. <clears throat> I'm just over them because we did them every night. My goodness, you know, come on. It's like too much of a good thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. You know, I think some people are like professional fire. Anyway, let's look at that. So we thought how you get commissioned, how you come into fullness of meaning and purpose and destiny was you just get enough of all this other stuff on you. And we never realised, really back then, because we were very one-eyed about it, we never realised that there's a process called sonship. There's a process called sonship. And if you don't enter into that process, you, you remain a perpetual baby. And if you remain a perpetual baby, guess what? You don't get to fulfill the fullness of your assignment in the kingdom. Right. People go, well, David, no, that doesn't make sense because if everybody has a destiny, then they get to fulfill their destiny. I mean, that, you know, isn't God securing that? Your destiny is not with regards to what you do. Your destiny and my destiny are exactly the same, which is to be conformed to the image of God's dear Son. That's your destiny. Your assignment is different. Your assignment is, is, is your assignment within the context of the Father's business. The Father has business in Christ church. It's called His kingdom. And each of us have an assignment in the midst of that. And we, we, we get to, as we, as we give ourselves to these assignments, we get to walk through the stages of the sonship. 
When you separate yourself from the local church and you think that because you have an anointing or think because you, have, you operate in the gifts of the Spirit that you can go and it's just you and Jesus, you place yourself as an orphan in the kingdom. You place yourself as an orphan in the kingdom. There is no outworking of your assignment outside of the family. Outside of the family. When you, when you misunderstand who your senior leaders are, when you sense that you think that they're just people that are there to serve you and help you and do whatever you know, they can do to release you, come on. When you treat them like sugar mom and sugar daddy and just like, you know, as long as you bless me, I'll, I'll, I'll play nice. You, you make yourself, you position yourself as an orphan in the kingdom. You, you, you trap yourself in perpetual immaturity, perpetual immaturity, and you delay the process of sonship outworking in your life. It's a tough, like, it's tough. And I, I you know, I laugh, that I'm, I laugh that I'm preaching this message because at 25, I was the biggest orphan. I was ambitious. I was very successful in church, like very successful. I was the golden-haired boy, excuse the pun, I was the golden head boy. I was the I was the revival guy. I was I was you know I was that, and I was such an orphan. And I was competitive against my brothers. And you know like I, you know visiting ministry would come, and you know God would be using them, and there'd be miracles, and, and I'd be scoffing. I'd, I'd be saying that's that's nothing. I can do better than that. I I, I can do like I was so jealous, and and I'd go home and I'd cry because my heart was broken because I knew how insecure I was. But I, but I, I struggled because, because I, I didn't trust men, and so I, I couldn't embrace my leader as a father. So I, whenever, so, so for him, I mean, talk about tough, man. I tell you, the church is eight hundred people, right? Eight hundred people, and if I walked in in a meeting and the senior pastor didn't look at me and smile, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm offended. I, I'm offended for, I'm offended. I just like, I, I'm not going back. I'm not, I mean, he, you know, he's, there's 800 people there. He's not ignoring me. He probably didn't see me. There's 800 people, you know. And, but but do, you, do you understand that, that, that I, I persecuted my senior leader with my orphan heart, but he thought I was the golden-haired boy because I knew how to play the game. I knew what he, you know, I knew how to impress him. I knew how to, how to do that. But I'm an orphan in my heart. And, and sonship this journey of sonship is a journey, respectfully, it's a journey of crushing and death. It is because your ego has got to die and you've, you've got to learn how to not live out of your soul but out of your spirit. You've got to learn that submission is not just a word, that actually it's about placing yourself under the leadership of, of another. And you've got to trust, listen to this, that's why this thought about, well, I just, you know, I'm just going to this church because it's nice. Well, no, you need, to, you need to make sure that whatever church you go into, that actually you're assigned to that church. Why? Because you're actually called to, to actually submit, like dynamically say, submit. Oh, but what about, what about if, you know, if the leadership's a bit toxic? Well, you know, I've heard that excuse a million times. And, and to be truthful, have I met some toxic pastors? Sure. They're in the minority, like 2%. And everybody knows that anyway, and you'd be a fool to stay in that. But actually, most, 
ministers, most ministries all around the world are actually good people. They're genuine people trying to do the best they can with a congregation that gets upset if they don't smile at everyone. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like it's, there's, a, there's an unnecessary kind of burden that gets placed. It's, it's unrealistic, actually. It's like, well, pastor, your job is to, you know, release me. No, no their job... Their job is to put you in the pressure cooker, right, of family and hold you there and make sure that you don't run when it gets hard so that you can actually mature in the things of God. And in the midst of it, you know what, you can shake, rattle and roll and dance and blow shafars and wave your flag and bark like a dog and whatever you want to do. I'm not against that. I know I'm being facetious, but I'm not against that. What I'm against is that without the process of sonship. Because you'll remain a perpetual baby. And if you remain a perpetual baby, there's this verse. Let me give you this verse. And it's this verse in Galatians. It's really interesting. Remember I said to you that a baby, the, the baby of, when it says son, is the word nepios. Now let me show you in the New Testament where it, where it uses that word nepios. In Galatians 4 verse 1 to 2 it says this. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, nepios, baby, right? does not differ at all from a slave. <laughs> you're born again. You're loved by God. You're born again of the Spirit of God, but you're a perpetual baby. So Galatians, the, the writer of Galatians says, actually, even though you have all this great inheritance, you have the inheritance of the kingdom. At, if you stay in this perpetual baby state, you're actually no better off as a, than a slave. It says, does not differ at all as a slave, though he is the master of all. The vineyard is yours. Everything is yours. But because you remain a baby, because, you know, you, you remain an orphan in your heart, because you, you, you won't, you know, come under, as it were, this process, this kingdom process of maturity, you remain a slave. And though you're the master of all, you remain under, under the guardians and stewards until the time appointed of the Father. That, that's the tragedy of the kingdom. I see great people with great callings. I, I was at a conference um, uh, two weeks ago, a pastor's conference that I was leading, and there was this guy there uh, who, who they recognise as a prophet. And, um, and I really felt for this guy because he absolutely has this high kind of prophetic gift, but he's such an orphan. And I could see it all the way through him. And I just thought, what, the, what a waste of a gift. What a waste of a gift. He, he can build nothing, do nothing, except kind of a bit of a show, you know, because he can, he can read people's mail. But he can't build anything because he's a baby. Can't build anything, hasn't built anything except a business card and a website. But he can read your mail. He could read your mail. Hasn't built a thing because he's a baby. He's a nepios. All right. <clears throat> so it's like, it's so okay, Dave. It's like, so Dave, how do I, how do we, how do we get beyond this? How do we get beyond this? You suffer. You suffer because you have to suffer to the death of your ambitions. You got to suffer to the death of your ego. You you actually have to go against the propensity of your soul and learn how to honour. 
learn how to walk, learn how to, learn how to hear and take instruction and do what you're asked to do. It doesn't make you a wimp. It, doesn't, it just means that you learn how to work in a family. It means you, you understand that this, this house isn't just to help you, that you, have a, you, you pick up a load, you take a weight, you do something, you, 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 actually, you actually contribute rather than consume. If you don't do that, see, babies consume more than they, more than they contribute, right? I mean, they contribute their cuteness, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, they just consume everything, you know, especially toddlers, man. Three-year-olds, they're brutal, you know. They just mess the house up, eat all the food, cry all the time, make everybody stay up at night. What do they contribute? Their cuteness? I'm over that. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you know, that, that's, 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 that's how you know. That's how you know. It's like, am I... Am I contributing more than I'm consuming or am I just consuming? I consume the worship. I consume the word. I consume the prayer. I consume the blessing. I consume the counselling. I consume, 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 but I'm not a contributor of anything. I've said this before that a prodigal, a prodigal, you know, when we hear the prodigal, we go, oh, a prodigal is someone who leaves. No, a prodigal is someone who stays in your house and wastes everything. A prodigal is a waster. Someone who comes and eats all your food but wastes everything, wastes their inheritance. And that's what happens when, when, when you have perpetual children, they, they become prodigals in their hearts because they're just wasters. They won't grow up. They won't move into the fullness of their destiny. And what happens is this, everybody hates being in that perpetual immaturity. They hate it. Like it frustrates us because we're actually built for more because we're built for maturity. We're built to be huios. We're built to actually be people that are entrusted with the vineyard of the Father, right? And actually actually do something. Inside each one of us is the seed of greatness. Why? Because the Spirit of God is inside each one of us. And we live with this perpetual frustration whilst that's not achieved, while that's not you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll compensate. We'll either go, you know, it's either, you know, orphans do either one or two things. They either become underachievers or overachievers. So we'll either become those that strive for everything, right? Or we'll become the ones that just go, we don't care and everything's just wasted. It's exactly what happens. And it's a tragedy. I know I'm speaking hard, but you got to hear, I'm, I'm not actually, I'm not angry. I'm actually passionate about seeing every believer stand up and rise into the fullness of their calling and their destiny and their purpose. I mean, that's why I've been here the last four days, right? I've been saying, man, come on, your destiny and your calling doesn't mean you need to be a senior pastor. Maybe it means it's a, you know, a great doctor, lawyer, barrister, scientist, you know, whatever, man, you know, like great teacher in the school, like all of that. But, but, but that's going to be inhibited if you're an orphan in your heart. The Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of Sonship and the work of the Holy Spirit is to continue to witness to us, testify to us about the Father's love, about the wooing of God. I remember as I started to grow in the prophetic and started to hear the voice of God over my life, I, I said to the Lord once, this is like about 10 years ago, I said, Lord, why is it that when I hear your voice that you speak to me as a child, like a real baby? And I felt the Lord said to me, because it's the only way that you've allowed me to speak to you. I said, what do you mean by that? I felt the Lord said to me, you're scared to allow me to speak to you <laughs> as a young man. And so I, I speak to you to the level that you'll allow me to speak to you. I said to the Lord, well, I want to grow up. I felt like the Lord said to me, okay, then I'm going to speak to you as a young man. I know when I was raising my sons, I love being a dad, by the way. I, I just, I'm telling you, I loved it. And, and man, I just loved, you know, with the, when the kids are young and, you know, just 
I was like the biggest kid of them, you know, especially when we went out and just love that, love that. But then as, as, as my son grew up, you know, into 10, I no longer treated him like that. Now I'm like, come on, you're a big boy, you know, you can do things and you can help dad and, you know, like it's like, you know, and then, at, you know, 15, you know, when they're a teenager and they're, you know, now you talk to them a whole different way, you know, like it's just like you're a drill sergeant, you're a general, you know, when they're teenagers. But, but then, then now I've got, because my oldest son is in his 20s and now in his 20s, I'm, I'm, I'm more than that. Like I'm, I'm, I wait to be invited into his world, which he invites me in all the time, but I speak to him as a man. You know, I speak to him in a man. Like there's no more childish things there. Like I speak to him as a, but he knows my, the intensity of my love, but I speak to him as a man. And when, he, when, he, when he's thinking something foolish, I'll call him on it. I'll say, you're thinking like, a, that, that's foolish. No, you're a man, you're better than that. You're greater than that. Shift that, move that. You know, but I'm not going to speak like that when he's five. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to do that. But, but just this thought about, you know, I, sometimes when I hear people pray and I hear people talk about God, I just, I go, man, that's like, I, I appreciate that, but it's kind of like a toddler talking about their father. I appreciate that. There's a place for that. But, but we've got to grow up. That's the whole purpose Respectfully, I don't need those notes. That's the whole purpose, because I'm, I'm flying now, right? The whole, that's the whole purpose of what apostolic prophetic ministry does. That's, that's, that's their job. Actually, there's something within the apostolic and the prophetic gifting that brings maturity to the body of Christ. And, and when, when those gifts or those people either aren't honoured appropriately or they're treated as, no, you can't be apostolic prophetic to me, I just want you to be a pastor. Just listen to my problems, cry with me and hold my hand. Now, nothing wrong with that, right? I'm just saying nothing wrong with that. But if we're going to grow up, then it's like, well, no, I want you to speak to me as a father and a mother. You understand father is a dimension. It's not a gender. So, so a woman can be a spiritual father. A woman can do anything a man can do, by the way. God looks at the heart, not at the genitals, right? So, so, so a woman can do anything that a man can do, and sometimes better, you know. But, but, so it's a dimension. But, but here's the thing. It's not a dimension that as leadership we can demand. Can't demand it. We can only receive it from you. Mark, Mark and Darlene check. don't demand that I'm a son to them. They receive me as a son because I give myself as, my, my, my wife and I, we give ourselves as sons. I, I don't, you know, I, I, people don't know some of this stuff, but I don't go anywhere. Listen to this. I don't go anywhere on assignment, like in the sense anywhere in the world, without first giving Mark and Darlene the option to say no. Oh man, but you know, the shepherding move, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about control. What I'm talking about is deference because actually I want, it's not just my anointing I come with, I come with their anointing, right? There's a deference here. It doesn't make me any less than. We actually need one another. It's not an age thing, by the way. Do you know I get to, I get to actually steward and father people that are older than me because it's not about age. It's about, uh, position in the anointing. It's about authority in the spirit. It's about, you know, what, what you've been released into, into the assignments. Uh, you know, I, I just feel like until churches get this, 
There's no sustainability. There's no, you, you, can, you can have a million conferences. We, you know, we used to have, I'm telling you, we used to have, one year we had uh, 12 conferences. I mean, you know, you guys do well, but we, we did 12 conferences. And, but, you know, they're like seven days. We go for seven days. Because remember, we're perpetual meetings. So just keep it rolling, man. Just keep it rolling. Just keep it rolling. And then, and then, and then as, as, as the, the thing was waning towards the end of the third year, a pastor, he almost, you know, because he got so used to revival and conferences, he, 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 he had a, like a last punch and it was 30 days. Think about that. 30 days. Almost killed us. Almost absolutely killed us. He was just, he was, he was hanging on for all dear life. And at the end of it, everyone just said, we're done. It's over. We're done. It's over. But the problem that we had was that it was all babies. I remember it really broke my heart. This one, uh, you know, it's not a nice story, but this one guy in the end, there was this whole deal and, and he was abusing his daughter. That guy was the head of the prayer team. You know, like it just broke my heart. Like, I mean, for, for years, prophesied accurately, like just abusing his children. And it just, I, I was done. I was like, that's it, I'm done. I, 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 I'm not done with Holy Spirit. I'm done with any charade that does not produce maturing believers that actually come into alignment, that actually begin to build something of consequence for the kingdom in their city, in their families, in their regions, in their nation. I don't want to play any more religious games. I don't want to, all of that. So, you know, I'm really passionate about this. I really want to encourage you. This thought about, you know, I... I got a whole teaching here, but I gave you those five. Look them up online. There's great teaching, great teaching on that because it talks about uh, like one of the things that happened, each of the names, each of the stages it talks about, it's a bit of a synopsis of what that looks like. And a lot of time when I, as I read them through, people locate themselves. I love it when people think that they're Hueyos, you know. <laughs> Everyone's, oh yeah, I'm the mature son, definitely. You know, <laughs> I'm like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> hey, do you want to stand with me for a moment? This is kind of one of those messages that, um, you know, how do we respond to this? He's kind of like, Dave, okay, how do we respond to this? Well, here's, here's the way that I feel like we respond to this. This is more than just someone laying hands. I can't impart to you maturity. I can invite you into it. But then, then you, it's, it's your job, it's your role to say, am I... Am, am I willing to continue the journey? I'm sure many of you are already on this journey. But, but am I, am I or, or you know, for some of you it might be like, you know what, maybe, maybe I, I've actually, I've got a bit more of an orphan behavior. A bit more of an orphan behavior. Well, part of how do you break that? Number one, it's a prayer. It's a cry. It begins to become a cry. I, I cried, seriously, I cried for two years when I realized I was an orphan. I cried so jealous, so competitive, so everything. I cried. I used to go. I used to go and preach. I'd preach like this, and then I'd go back home, and I'd cry my eyes out because I was, so, was such a fake, you know. I cried for two years, and I, the reason I cried for two years because I was scared because I knew that the way this was going to happen was I was actually going to have to go and submit myself, and actually was going to have to go and speak to my pastor about it. That, that actually that I'm bound up and I, and I don't know how to break free from my orphan heart. It took me two years to do that. I remember I pleaded with God, you be my father, you be my father, you be my father. And God said, I am your father, but I'm going to heal you through the hands of a, of a human being. It'll be my spirit, but it'll be through the hands of a father and a mother. And 
I hated that thought. I did because I, I, I wanted a perfect father. And I thought that's how it was. I was like, well, because men failed me. So it's like, I don't want to do that again. It's like just crying out for God. So let me just, just close your eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you tonight. It's a bit of a different word. It's, it's kind of encouraging and, and it's provoking and it's kind of then a kick in the butt and then it's like a cuddle. And Holy Spirit, only you, really, uh, you invite us into the immensity of your kingdom and your purposes and your plans. And I thank you for this church. I thank you for every single life you've represented. I thank you for everyone that has stepped into a journey with you of sonship, that we've, they've become born again, which means they become uh, awakened and alive and as, as a children of God, as a child of God. I thank you for them and I, I just bless them right now. And Father, I thank you that at whatever place they are, whatever place this is, that, Lord, whatever the next step is, that, Lord, actually you'll give them great wisdom. Father, we thank you for the father and mother of this house. We thank you for this leadership. We thank you that they are safe people. We thank you that they love you. I thank you, Lord. I, can, I, I, can, I see it even knowing them. I, I know that they carry fathering and uh, leadership into their lives. I thank you that it's mixed in with their apostolic and prophetic gracings. I, I thank you for that. I thank you this is a safe house. And Lord, we pray, and I thank you, Lord, that many sons, many mature sons, sons and daughters will be risen up and really, Lord, launched into the Father's business at a whole high level, at an intense level. I, I, I even, uh, I just, Gideon and Catherine, I even see like there's, uh, there'll be, I know you already have, but there'll be more even ministers and, and you know, husbands and wives that are going to come here. And this is going to be a real house of restoration for them and a, a place where they're literally just going to get healed and whole and, and actually loved on and, and rescued and renewed. And there's going to be many that come as burnout ministries but as a result, you know, as a result of this fathering dimension, it's actually going to bring them up and bring healing oil. I just see like both of you like pouring healing oil on their hearts, on their bruises, on their, you know, and, and they're just going to just catch their breath in the spirit and, and uh, really just be put together a whole different way and actually become like strong men and strong women and, and, and literally take a load and bring greater, even greater expansion to the work. You know, it's, you'll raise up sons and daughters, as in, as in, you know, raise up ministries from within this house, even congregational ministry. But, but some of them you'll inherit, and it'll be like uh, I hear like this church will be like the pool of Siloam. You know that that they come and they 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 they, they get ministered to and and uh, and get touched and just healed and restored. And Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this house. I thank you for it being a, a house of healing, a house of restoration a house where orphans can find a home, Lord, and, and go from being orphans to being sons and daughters. Lord, we bless that. We thank You. I seal that over this house, over this dimension for Your glory in Jesus' Name.